Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hi, beloved. Good morning, dear family. How are you doing? I pray you're doing well, always, 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 because God is on his throne. He never leaves. He is a homebody. He always stays on his throne. And there's no place where he is not, and there's nothing he does not know. All is well. God is perfect. He is good. There is no sin in him. There's no mischief in him. He is He is holy, holy, holy. Um, and simple. Simple means uh, all one, no confusion, no parts to him. He's all one. Three persons in one God, all one. And um, and he is ours. And if we are baptized, then he lives in us, If we're especially if we're receiving the sacraments, and we have no worries. Um, when we worry, it's because we're not God, and we're worrying about not being God and not knowing everything and not being able to figure everything out. A three-year-old, a two-year-old can't know everything, cannot figure everything out, and its only peace is to cling to its mom or dad. It just knowing that if as long as the little two-year-old is in his mom's arms, he's fine, even though he's afraid. He doesn't have to figure it out, and he cannot figure it out. That's us, beloved. As long as you're in our Blessed Mother's arms, and you know God is in control, he is our Father, then we have really nothing to worry about. So um, when we worry, it's because we don't know what the future holds, but as the saying goes, we know who holds the future. Not to worry. It's kind of a Jewish um, um, characteristic or attribute, worry. And, and, and we worry, if we're Jewish, we worry because it works. If we take the umbrella, because we're afraid it's going to rain, then it doesn't rain. So the umbrella works, you see? If we worry about something, it doesn't happen. So it, we figured worry is a good thing. So I'm joking. But all is well, sweethearts. All is well, beloved, and I am happy. And um, I tell you what, I announced our need for our new home through an email, and I think I did once for the uh, in the in this program. And so many people have been so generous. Um, we have just about what we need to buy that new house now. Um, uh, we don't have yet what we need for repairs and putting walls to divide bedrooms for the sisters and all that, but um, all so many have been so generous. I'm so, 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 so grateful for you. Um, God bless you and protect you and prosper your way and keep you healthy in this crazy time. We have been reading uh, the book of Ephesians, and um, it is because uh, I started reading that for our New Year's resolutions, um, because the Apostle Paul wrote that while he was in jail. He was on house arrest. He was chained to a guard. And I've said before, the magnificent thing about that one is that the guard was changed to Apostle Paul. He'd have to hear the gospel every day, whether he wanted to or not. Um, I think he was converted. And then Paul wrote, 
uh, four, four prison epistles, Ephesians, Colossians, um, oh my, um, I'm, and a couple of the pastoral epistles, and I don't remember offhand. I used to know all this the top of my head, and I forget it. But um, he did write to the Ephesians, the church he founded in Ephesus. Um, uh, and now he's in Rome, and he's chained, and he writes to them to remind them that they were chosen in Christ even before the foundation of the world. They were chosen in love, and he made the two people, Jew and Gentile, one. He broke down the middle wall of partition. God saved us by his grace, not of our works that we should boast, but by grace you are saved through faith unto good works. So James writes, faith without works is dead. Works are the fruit of faith, but they are the necessary fruit of faith. And so we must keep God's law. We must keep the Ten Commandments. Do we keep it perfectly? No. Did Jesus keep it perfectly? He sure did. Not that we don't have to, but that now through his spirit we can. And when we fail, we have confession. The Catholic Church has everything every single soul could ever need or want which is why our lord um founded the catholic church on the people of israel from the kahal the called out ones of israel he formed the ecclesia the called out ones um, of the gentiles in the whole world and the two are made one the church is founded on israel and sent to the four corners of the earth it's so, so wonderful. And so now, Paul, <clears throat> after giving three chapters of all that we have in Christ, he starts chapter 4 saying, I therefore, and my evangelical pastor used to say, what's the therefore, therefore? I love that. What is the therefore, therefore? It's I therefore, therefore, because of all that he's told us is ours in the first three chapters, the riches we have in Christ. He said, I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord, he's a physical prisoner in Rome, <clears throat> beg you, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness and patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." Many times I hear people say, I'm not worthy for this. I'm not worthy for that. You are right. You, you've assessed that correctly. You are not worthy. I am not worthy. Nobody is worthy. But um, God has uh, made us worthy to stand before his son. Christ has um, uh, adopted us as his children. He lives within us. And so now, in Christ only... Can we lead a life worthy of this calling? And Paul begs us to do that. Don't go back to your former life. I beg you to lead a life worthy. You're not worthy for the calling, but now that you have it, you're worthy. You need to be worthy of the calling. Otherwise, you can forfeit it. You can forfeit it, beloved. Once saved, always saved is true. Once saved. And we're not saved 
until glory, until heaven. That's why Peter says, now is your salvation nearer than it's ever been before. Whom he, um, whom he justified, he, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he sanctified, whom he sanctified, he glorified. I missed a step or two in there. Romans 8, uh, 29. God, it, the, the salvation is a process from justification right into glorification. It's a process. Can we lose it along the way? Yes. Yes. We can turn from God along the way. He's given us free will. Free to do what? Free to follow him. We, he has not given us the freedom not to follow him. He's given us the freedom to turn from him as Adam and Eve did. But the freedom he's given us in Christ is the freedom to do all things that are holy, that are moral, that are right. I am free to do what is right. Am I free to do what is wrong? That freedom is not given to me by God, but I can take it of my own free will. And so, um, yes, we can lose it along the way. And, uh, but we're not fully saved until we're in glory. If we get off the narrow path, can you go to confession? Yes. If you've committed a hundred murders, can you still go to confession, be forgiven? Yes. There's nothing for which our Lord has not died on that cross. But if you don't come back, if you don't repent, then you will never see God. Then you will never see heaven. Then hell is for you. It wasn't made for you, but that's where everyone who rejects God will go. And so while we have breath, there's hope. Repent, come back to God, go to any confessional of any Catholic church and talk to the priest and let him absolve you, let him help you into the Catholic church so you have the fullness of life this side of heaven. And then by his grace alone, you can lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all lowliness and meekness and patience, forbearing one another in love as God forbear forbore us in love while we were yet sinners paul wrote to the romans he died for us he didn't wait for us to get our act together or be willing or anything he died for us while we were yet in our sin and now he lives for us and so we need to forbear one another in love as god did us we need to say to others father forgive them forgive my wayward husband forgive my alcoholic wife forgive 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 as God in Christ has forgiven you, and pour out the love. Ask God through you to pour out the love um, with which um, he loved us. Let him love others through you. Um, We need to be um, with lowliness, meekness, patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, because Paul writes, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. It's so beautiful. We'll never fully understand what we've been given. Until the other side of heaven, dear ones, there's the music for our break. Call in at the half-hour break. Our lines are fully open and the toll-free number 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the We'll be right back. <laughs> 
We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. In 1959, the United Nations issued the Declaration on the Rights of the Child. This document states, quote, The child, by reason of his physical and mental immaturity, needs special safeguards and care, including appropriate legal protection before as well as after birth, end quote. To us in the pro-life movement, it's clear that abortion is not consistent with such a statement. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. The Terry and Jesse Show. This is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show. Each weekday, we're talking about the things that matter to Catholics. Spiritual warfare, Marian devotion, tradition, and staying strong in your faith in this culture of death. I hope you'll join us. Weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Station of the Cross radio network and heard around the world on the iCatholic radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live and um, I was told we could hear a little hissing sound. It's because we don't have, um, uh, we're missing a door on this room, and the sisters are cooking in the pressure cooker. So if you hear the steam, it's that. So <laughs> sounds travel. Anyway, dearest, um, I am happy to be with you. And we are in the middle of chapter four of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church he founded in Ephesus. And um, we're up to the part of chapter 4 where Paul says, But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is he who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. We could take a whole show to, to, um, um, to work out that little passage. But when he, when he um, ascended, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. I, I don't know offhand where in the book of Matthew that the dead were raised. Um, and um, he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. 
um, to uh, declare his victory to Adam and Eve and all that were waiting. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer children, we may be no longer children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness in deceitful wiles. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. That is such an incredible sentence, all of that, um, and paragraph um, from chapter 4 of Ephesians. You should read Ephesians through... um, every once a month. It's just so beautiful. And at this point, Paul's not talking about uh, coming into the Catholic Church because it was the only church that existed. It's the church Christ established. No denominations. When um, when they started saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulos, I'm of Cephas, uh, Paul said, is Christ divided? Of course he's not divided. Um, you're of Christ. That's it. And now we have 40,000 plus denominations, um, but there's only one church that has stood for 2,000 years, dearest, and it's the Catholic Church, the one holy apostolic and Catholic Church. There is no other church that exists but the church that our Lord founded, and he continues, Now this I affirm and testify in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. That is, now you're in Christ and God has broken down the wall of partition. Jew or Gentile, you're in Christ. You're a new man. You're a new creature. Don't live as the Gentiles, the nations do, who in the futility of their minds without God. Paul says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. That they they have become callous and have given themselves up to licentiousness, greedy to practice every type of, every kind of uncleanness. You did not... Um, so learn Christ. You did not learn Christ that way, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off, Paul says, put off your old nature, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new nature created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Beloved, as long as we live, we're going to have two people in us, the old man and the new man, the old nature and the new nature, warring against each other. And the one that wins is the one that we'll give into. 
if we give in to our old ways, our old nature, um, our old habits, our old temptations, we will walk according to them. But if we strive to walk worthy, the more we don't give in to them, the more we give in to Christ uh, and all that he's filled us with, our old nature will take a back seat. It will, dear ones. It will. We will never be free of temptation. And all we need to do, the moment I'm tempted, am I tempted? Of course I'm tempted. The moment I am, I say, I know it's not from God. I don't care if it's from my flesh. I don't care if it's from the devil. I don't care where it's from. I don't take time to figure that out. I just say, get thee behind me, Satan, and where to flee. Just flee. Not interested. Goodbye. Not interested. And I go on. Does that mean I never sin? It does not mean that. I wish it meant that. But no. But flee flee temptations of every kind. And Paul says this, Therefore, putting away falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for edifying as fits the occasion that it may impart grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive, beloved, as God in Christ forgave you. You say, but, 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 but what he did and what she said, and, but they don't, they're not even sorry, but they haven't changed. It's the same old thing. They don't consider me. They're not sensitive. They keep doing these things that bother me. Forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. Can you imagine how we bother a holy God? And so much that we do would offend him every single day. But he forgives, and we need to forgive. He's holy. We're sinners. We're sinners being asked to forgive sinners. God is holy, who is forgiving us, and we need to forgive as God has forgiven us. But they, they're not living this. My, my husband, my children, my parents, oh, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, they're still doing it. That's right, and so were we. When God said on the cross, Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. Well, they do know what they're doing. No, they don't. Why did Jesus say that about us? We nailed him to the cross. We put him to death. Why did he say we don't know what we're doing? Paul said, because if we knew who he was, we would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We didn't know what we would do. Sin is blind. We did it. Yes, we know now. But at the time, sin is blind. Why would we crucify God? Why would we crucify God's son? Why would we crucify the one who came to save us? Because we were stupid and blind. But God gave us life, and he forgave us while we were yet in our sins. 
he died for us. He didn't wait for us to know it. He didn't wait for us to say we're sorry, Lord, to apologize, to get our act together. He forgave us while we were yet in our sin. And therefore, that's how we need to forgive one another. Chapter 5 of Ephesians begins, Therefore, be imitators of God. What's the therefore, therefore? For everything that's gone before it. For God who has given us his grace and mercy, and yet we um, attack one another. He said, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We need to be imitators of God. And dear ones, the only way your children will ever learn to be imitators of God is if you, as parents, are imitators of God. And then your children could be imitators of you because they will imitate you. They will learn much more by your actions than or your failure to act than they will ever learn by your words. They learn by what they see. That's why Archbishop Chap, who once wrote, the greatest gift a father could give his children is to love their mother. And the greatest gift a mother could give her children is, uh, uh, is to love their father. If, if children see love, they learn love. If uh, a mother puts their fa- her, the children's father down and curses him and controls him and corrects him and hollers at him and she's disrespectful, that's what the children will learn, not only toward their father, but toward marriage, how awful it is, how you disrespectful one another. But if you love, not based on your spouse's behavior, based on God's behavior toward you, that he loved you while you were yet in sin. That's how you need to love your spouse. That's how you need to love your children. Children, that's how you need to love your parents. It's, it's the formula. It's the only one that works. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, because they deserve it? Nope. Because they have ceased being stupid? No. Because they are still blind and can't love you properly? No. But as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's the only way. When I have no reason to forgive someone, when I can't handle it emotionally, I forgive. And my verse is this Ephesians 4 Verse 32, I forgive as God in Christ has forgiven me. I deserved nothing. I had no reason to live. I was dead in sin. I lived like the world. And God in Christ forgave me and made me a new creature. And now, as I've said before, a thousand eternities would not be sufficient to thank him. I'm a saved human being, not because of what I believe, but because God opened my eyes to believe and gave me a new heart, a new soul, a new mind. I'm a new creature, and so is everyone who is in Christ. There's our music, beloved, for, the, for our half-hour break. And when we come back, we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails. Call in toll-free 
888-528-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. The iCatholic Radio Mobile app is two apps in one. Your place to hear great Catholic programs and music. Here's what listeners are saying about the updated iCatholic Radio Mobile app. Through the iCatholic Radio app, I have listened to the sermons and teachings several times. The effect has been a deeper understanding of my faith and Catholic tradition. This app has truly been a blessing in my life and has increased my faith. With the new app, you can choose to listen to our programs like Mother Miriam Live or The Catholic Current whenever you like. But you can also switch over to the best in contemporary music by Catholic artists. We even bring you hours of Gregorian chant every Sunday morning. If you do not currently have our app, download it to your iPhone through the Apple Store or to your Android phone by going to Google Play and searching iCatholic Radio. The updated iCatholic Radio mobile app, your one stop for great Catholic programs and music. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are here. This is our half hour together, and you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Um, Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We do have a call on the line from someone calling in anonymously. Hello. Hi. Thanks, Mother, for taking my call. Of course. What's your question, um, I wanted to. Yeah, thanks. I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, we're we're taught that you can't uh, get into heaven if you are in a state of mortal sin, um, but right. that also martyrs have a special martyrs have a special place in heaven as well. So my question is um, just to get your thoughts on, you know, if someone were martyred in a state of mortal sin, what would happen? They would not go to heaven. You mean if they okay. were martyred? Now, let me let me understand <clears throat> what you mean if they were martyred in a state of mortal sin. Give me a somewhat of a scenario on that. <clears throat> oh, sure. I'm just I'm just thinking. You know, if if there's a, an instance where someone can't go to confession, um, and they're put in a situation where you know they have to defend their faith and they're martyred for it, um, if they if they had been unable to get to confession. 
um, and they've they oh, got right. that unconfessed mortal <clears throat> sin. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think um, I think in that case they probably would go to heaven. I answered too quickly, not not understanding fully, um, uh, because if they um, wanted to go to confession, if they had perfect contrition in their heart, that would be the key. Perfect contrition, true godly sorrow for their sin, and then gave their life for God, they would go to heaven. Yes. But they'd have to have a true godly repentant heart, and um, I think that's the only heart they'd have if they'd be martyred for their faith. If someone is in mortal sin, let's say, and someone hates Catholics, and they come into the room and kill them, no, then that person's going to die in mortal sin and not be in heaven. But if, uh, in whatever the circumstances, they truly repent, godly sorrow uh, to God on the spot, they have true, perfect contrition, and then say, I give my life to you and die for their faith, in that case, yes, they would go to heaven. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. God bless you, dear. We have a... um, an email from Eduardo who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I have a question about how to engage with Jews on the topics of Jesus and the Catholic Church. I have a friend who is Jewish, but he was not born into a religious family. His father came from a Protestant family, in fact, but his mother is Jewish, and he identifies more to that side culturally, but not spiritually. He has a half-brother who is Catholic, Catholic, and who has done a good job in presenting the faith to him. So this friend of mine is quite sympathetic towards Catholicism. He's already gone to Mass once with me. Actually, we haven't talked that much lately, but I still think he at least believes in God. But he is not religious at all. He's living a very worldly lifestyle, which I also lived before my conversion. But I have a feeling that eventually he will get sick of it as I did. My question then is, how could I present the faith to this friend of mine who is Jewish but does not know much about Judaism? And what is the best way to approach the historical tensions that existed between the two faiths? How did you deal with the topics of the persecution of Jews by Christians as you were converting to Christianity and then to the Catholic Church? Well, that's an easy one to answer because we experienced persecution as Jewish children, uh, my brother in particular, um, uh, in our young lives. Uh, We just attribute such persecution to ignorance, um, ignorance of the people. It, It doesn't necessarily speak for their religion. We just know they are ignorant and they don't understand who the Jews are. You know, I was called a Christ killer and all of that, but I know people were ignorant. I I didn't kill Christ. I didn't understand who he was. So um, now I know I did kill him because sin is what put killed the Savior. He died for my sin. So now I know that I did kill him, not because I'm a Jew or a Gentile, but because I'm a sinner. Um, I would say, if you, uh, Eduardo, if you understand your Catholic faith enough to take him through a little 
short synopsis of salvation history to show him that God pulled Abraham out of a pagan nation and said in Genesis 12, uh, verse 3, that he would set him apart and through Abraham's seed all the nations would be blessed and show how through Abraham... Uh, Isaac and through Isaac his son Jacob and through Jacob his son Judah and through Judah David all the way to the Christ who in Hebrew is Mashiach Messiah it's the same word it's not his name it's his title meaning the anointed one the redeemer if you can take him through history and show him that God planned to bring the Messiah through the Jewish people, and he did. He was successful. The Jews didn't reject the Messiah, didn't reject Christ, otherwise he wouldn't be here. They gave us Christ. They, uh, God instituted the new covenant with the Jewish people, with Israel, the priesthood, um, the sacraments. So, um, and every writer of Scripture, Old Testament, knew was Jewish, uh, outside of uh, Luke, who was a doctor and a friend of Paul, so that's not so bad. they don't know all this they don't know that our lord was jewish they don't know your friend won't know that the first christians were jewish because that's whom he came to whom he came he came to his own and so they were jewish and the jews who believed were rejected by the jews who did not believe christianity uh, that is followers of the christ is a totally jewish religion and once people understand that Uh, We can explain that the Gentiles got into it, the whole world, because he's the savior not only of the Jews, but of the entire world, every nation, um, and spread throughout the world through the Jewish Messiah. If he has a little understanding of who Christ is, uh, what Christianity is, that it's a Jewish faith, spread to the four corners of the earth, he'll be puzzled by that, but he might gain some interest. And there's two books that I recommend for you. Hold on. One is Salvation is from the Jews, which is our Lord's Words to the Woman at the Well in John chapter 4. Roy Shoman, uh, Orthodox Jew, who became um, a Catholic, the, the full measure of Judaism, uh, wrote that book. And another book that, that Roy edited was um, Honey from the Rock, 16 Jews who entered the Catholic Church believing it not to be the rejection of Judaism, but the full measure of it. So be very patient with him. Uh, uh, personal stories may really help him. So Honey from the Rock... You could pick a story out there. There are stories of orth. I'm in there. My brother David is in there. Uh, Rhonda Chervin, who is my godmother and probably has written more than 500 books. She's um, an absolute gem, professor, uh, all of that. Um, she was an atheist. She grew up in a communistic Jewish home uh, in Spain and was an atheist. And she also uh, is now a Hebrew Catholic. So... Um, look at the book, Eduardo, look through the stories, find someone who was Jewish in there who never really lived their faith, like your friend, and never really understood it. And pick out some stories and uh, take them to coffee and or visit one another's homes and, and read together. Uh, a couple of those stories may help him very much. Uh, right now, 
he's he's ignorant as I was. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It means uh, without knowledge of this particular thing. He's ignorant of who Christ is. He's ignorant of what Christianity is, and he's ignorant of his own Jewish faith. And the book, Honey from the Rock and Salvations from the Jews, I think will be a tremendous help to him. We have an email from Brady, and Brady writes, Good morning, Mother. My wife and I have always loved your work and your show. Thank you, Brady. And we pray you are having a blessed Advent. Oh, dear. This is a... An old email. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, We were hoping to get your advice on a family matter. We have an ongoing concern with the family on my wife's side. Her sister was divorced about two years ago and, to our knowledge, has not applied for an annulment. She is with her second boyfriend since the divorce and has started to include him in family functions. My wife's parents pushed back for over a year about allowing him to be included in family events and encouraged her to get an annulment. They finally gave in when they were continuously told that it was her business to handle it and they were scared they would not be able to see her young kids since she had used used them before as a punishment for speaking up to her about their concerns. My wife also directly confronted her sister and her parents about the issue and always leaves the conversation feeling like she is at fault for bringing it up. I understand that people that are the guilty ones always reverse it. Since they allowed him to come to one event, he now comes to all of them like it is normal. Now my wife's sister has included her boyfriend in a Christmas gift exchange with the family, which my wife and I decided not to be included in. We live in a different state from them, so it's easier for us to exclude ourselves from what's going on. My wife's parents now seem to go out of their way to welcome him by saying things like, thank you so much for coming and bringing overly polite and being overly polite and including him in family pictures, etc., with the hope that she will eventually get an annulment. I'm certain this is going to continually be normalized, and my wife and I don't know how to handle it. My wife and her other siblings, there are five total, all seem to be on the same page for the most part about not thinking it is a great idea to encourage or indirectly support their dating. Now, let me just reread that. My wife and her other siblings, five in total, all seem to be on the same page for the most part about not thinking it is a great idea to encourage or indirectly support their dating good. So it's just her parents that seem to be the problem here. We want to always act out of charity, but we also want to make sure it is clear that adultery is taking place and that we will never support that. We are asking for any advice you have on how to navigate this situation, what you suggest saying to her sister and what you would suggest saying to her parents regarding the issue. Thank you for all of your help. May God continue to bless you and your listeners in Christ, Brady. Brady, um, if you know they're living, she well, she is living in adultery, and I'm guessing that uh, she was married in the Catholic Church, uh, 
um, and that you uh, are right in insisting that she needs an annulment, um, uh, which she does. Uh, I'm with you on that. It's very simple. You need to say to her what you already have said to your wife's sister, um, that um, you are living in mortal sin. How could we... Uh, encourage you at family gatherings and invite him as if everything is normal when both of you are on your way to hell. How can we do that? You don't believe it. You don't believe the Catholic faith, but you claim to be Catholic and you were married in the church. You must see if you can get an annulment that declares your marriage was null and void. If you get a declaration that your marriage is null and void, then you can date. But if you're living with a man who's not your husband, you're still on your way to hell because you're committing fornication. So we can't support you in any of those things because we love you. And you say the same thing to our parents. Um, You want to see your grandchildren, but you're supporting your children who are on their way to hell. There's no love in that whatsoever. If we act properly toward them, um, she may give up and finally apply for that annulment. We'll be right back, beloved. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, but we have 10 minutes plus. And if you have anything on your heart, our lines are wide open. Feel free to call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Leland. Uh, who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I am converting to the Holy Catholic Church after years of being away from God. Blessed be God. Leland, welcome, welcome, welcome home. Uh, Leland writes, After being raised a Baptist, I fell away from the church and into atheism for more than 25 years before finding a temporary refuge in Buddhism. I am so blessed to have found you and others like you to help me discover the one true Catholic Church. There are some voices that when I listen to their voices, I can tell that they are sharing the true faith, the one faith, and that they are not subject to religious relativism and appeasement of the current culture. They believe and espouse the truth and dogma of the church. Yours is one of the strongest of those voices. If you had told me a year ago that I would be writing to a Catholic mother praising her for leading me to the church, I would have laughed at you. (laughs) Today I sit here writing this to you with love in my heart, the warmth of knowing God, and the pleasure of listening to you. Oh, Leland, you've given me chills. This is so beautiful. My question is this. I have read many books on my path to Catholicism, but if you would pick only two to recommend to a convert like myself on the way to confirmation, what would they be? God bless you for all that you have done for so many, Leland. Thanks, dear Leland. God bless you. Um, I'm going to give you my two favorite books, um, the ones that helped me the most. Um, uh, you say if you could pick only two to recommend to a convert uh, like myself on the way to confirmation. Well, um, the two books that helped me enormously was uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman's, blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman's essay on the development of doctrine, because that showed uh, that... um, that the uh, you know many times Protestants uh, want to have house churches and go back to the first century where they met in homes, um, but Cardinal um, uh, Newman points out that the tree no longer looks like the acorn from which it grew because it's now flowered into a huge huge tree tree with branches. He said, but you can trace the true development from the acorn into the branches and from the branches back to the acorn, you could separate true from false growth. You can do that. And also, I was convinced about the papacy through that book. It's a wonderful book, Essay on the Development of Doctrine. In fact, when Newman started writing that, he was still an Anglican, what he called the via media, the middle way. He wasn't Catholic. But when he finished writing it, he was Catholic. He brought himself into the Catholic Church. The second The second book is um, The Spirit of Catholicism by Carl Adam. The Spirit of Catholicism speaks of a 13th century Catholicism before the Reformation, where the church went to church on Sunday. Um, It just was so beautiful. Everyone was Catholic, and the bells, the Angelus bells rang at noon, and everyone went on their knees at the word became flesh out in the fields. That's that beautiful big painting that people love with the husband and wife and a little basket for their lunch on the ground and a house way in the background of the field. They were farmers. It's the Angelus. 
um, it's just very beautiful. So, Leland, dear, I hope that I hope that helps you. Um, God bless you, dear one, um, and uh, as you receive the sacraments. Um, we have a call from Rocco from Toronto. Hi, Rocco. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful, Rocco. How are you from the city where my parents are buried? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we spent some years. What cemetery? It's the Jewish cemetery, and I don't remember the name. Okay, probably along Bathurst Street, right? I think so. I think oh, wow. so. I know. Small, small I know. world. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yep. <laughs> um, this is going to be a weird call for you, but um, <laughs> I I want to tell you a little bit about myself before I tell you the the message I got to give you. I, I'm you know you you heard of the expression the meek shall inherit the earth. Yes, it's true. Okay, so I'm 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 one of the meek. I, I'm, a, I'm a fellow. Ser- I'm a fellow servant of God. I've been. I've been uh, fixing God's home, neglected homes in the city, because there's lots of uh, churches yeah. that are neglected because the archdiocese doesn't want to give them the money to fix them, mm-hmm. and um, so that's where God gets people like me to fix them. That we, you know, instead of it raining on the altar. Because I've, you know, I've, I've worked on churches that's actually been raining on the altar from. Wow. From that's how bad they were. And, uh, yeah, so in, la- in the last four years, I've been doing that for God. And, and Satan's always tried to maim me and mess up my hands or mess up my feet. Or, and, you know, every time I try to go back to work, God would say, no, you're not going to work. You're coming back to me. And uh, something, some affliction would happen. And so anyways, uh, you know, I stayed devoted to God. I didn't abandon him. And I... I, I, you know, I, I fought the good fight, and I keep on fighting the good fight, and uh, God's been telling me things uh, uh, regarding the dark times we're living in. You know, we, we're, mm-hmm. we're, I, I believe, uh, well, God, uh, the Holy Spirit told me that um, uh, basically Satan is creating his own evil trinity against God. And now how he's doing that is he's starting with the, the sacrificing of babies, and uh, we know that the world... Uh, accepts this uh, evil practice and uh they even murder nine-month-old babies now and uh right. so basically these babies are being you know the doctors are demons that are lying to people and saying your your child is sick so it needs to be aborted that way it could be sacrificed to satan now 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 the, the babies i'm with you all the way Rocco. i'm with you yeah, all the way yeah. and uh, so then the babies are going to pathology which become the vaccination uh, that's right. It becomes the mark of, mark of the beast. Okay, so that's the second part of the of Satan's trinity. And the third part of Satan's trinity is uh, he's separating the, the Christian church, and, and he wants to put his own little pawn on the, on the earthly throne of, of the Vatican. So that's exactly what's happening That's right all now. in the book of Revelation. It's all yeah. in there. Exactly, and and you know what, you know he, everybody's hating on the Pope, and they're choosing their own uh, their own negativity, their own personal feelings of negativity and anger and confusion, which is spawned by Satan for us to all fight amongst each other. And we always fail. We always fail as human beings. We always choose wrong. Rocco, my brother Rocco, let me just in, let me just intervene to say that this is right on. Um, with uh, Peter, 
um, who wrote that in the, in the end days, uh, cardinal against cardinal uh, will be against one another, uh, apostasy, hearts will grow cold, greedy, all of that. It's all happening. Yes, yes, sweetheart, I know. God is insane because there's a cloud of a, there's a veil of darkness around all the godless people because That's people right. have abandoned God. So now right, God's Rocco. turning his churches and God's turning his back on man. Because well, you know, back on God. That's right, and God, Jesus will build His church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You do know that, and in Romans chapter one, God describes what happens to the human being with all the debauchery we see today, and He said, "My spirit will not always strive with man." And He shows us in Romans chapter one the depravity of man when God removes His spirit. And that's what you're seeing and what you're saying, Rocco. My dear brother, there's our closing music. You keep on keeping on. Love God. Repair those roofs uh, to protect the altars. And uh, you be a saint for him. Don't let anything turn you away from that. Okay, my Rocco? Cannot be silent no more about the babies. Don't you be silent. The babies were done. That's right. And, it, and someone once said, the only thing for evil to prevail is for good men to remain silent. Don't you ever remain silent, Rocco. There's the end of our program, my brother. God bless you, and we'll be with you tomorrow.